Do not attempt to adjust your radio. All right, and that's the wonderful theme song that I made on my iPhone in my spare time, and uh, I love it so so very much. I even though I fired you and replaced you with Brian Condrack. Brian Condrack only wishes he could replace me. Anyway, it is Monday night, which means that it is time for Pop and Schlock Live. Yay! The program that examines pop culture and media from a critical and analytical lens. Hello, everybody. I am your host, Jay Goodson Dodd, also known as Jake for brevity's sake. With me, as always, is my co-host. Uh, I'm not going to insult you tonight. Meredith Nudo. There we go. <laughs> and uh, back on the program is special guest Isaiah Broussard. Our ampersand Woo! is back. Hey, 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 everyone. Isaiah Broussard here, a.k.a. ampersand, a.k.a. your token Marvel black sidekick. I am the Mary to your Captain Marvel, the Falcon to your Captain America, and the Rhodey to your Iron Man. There we go. You... No, I have my Iron Man shirt on. <laughs> that was an accident. Uh, I was gonna wear my Captain Marvel shirt, but uh, it's still in the uh, it's still in the laundry from my last. Uh, I, I wore it to the gym because it made me feel powerful. <laughs> my my Captain Marvel jacket is still on the way. I got the bomber jacket. Oh, you did? I did. Awesome. I uh, I want to get one for Tori because uh, she wants to cosplay as Captain Marvel so so very she bad. She should. I oh, know. she'd be so so awesome. The question is uh, whether or not she brings a stuffed goose or if she brings actual orange kitty with her to the convention. No. No, I think the answer is staring you right in the face and I'm sure Isaiah will agree. You need to be goose. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. I think it'll work. I'm 100% okay with that. All right. Well, for those of you who uh, haven't figured it out by now, tonight we are going to be talking about uh, quite possibly one of the biggest films of the year. Um the <laughs> a a film that has made uh more than the uh top 5 grossing films before it combined and a film that has made so many incels cry that we have created another great lake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about Captain Marvel. Um which I guess we're at that point where uh just about every 4 weeks we're going to be hitting some sort of Disney tentpole, so go ahead and strap in for that. Um there's a lot to talk about with this one. Uh and I yeah, Goose the Cat, Goose the Cat, and then Goose the Cat. Um, but for those of you who are new to the program, those of you who haven't listened to us before, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Um, but we will get into some spoiler territory here. So if you haven't seen Captain Marvel, if you're one of the three people who has not uh, gone to the theater to check this one out, I would recommend uh, going and doing that before you check out this episode. Um, it'll be available on the KPFT archive as well as Spotify and iTunes uh, later tonight and uh, tomorrow tomorrow morning but uh we're gonna be talking about captain marvel mostly about the cat mostly about the cat um i we cannot stress enough how much we are going to be talking about the cat uh, I really I, like cats, you guys. well i mean we knew i knew going in that a significant portion of this episode was going to be talking about the cat whenever they gave the cat its own character one sheet in the marketing like <laughs> it's very very rare that the uh the animal sidekick gets its own like marketing promotion poster oh, no, go, this is more than just a sidekick. 
Kit Goose is a superhero in his own right, and I would argue maybe the most powerful superhero in the entire MCU. I mean, that's that's debatable, and uh, we're not going to get into that right away because I feel like we need to save the jokes for later. <laughs> Do we have any other Marvel animal sidekicks? I feel like Thor needs that dog big enough to ride on. Yeah, I know. Well, or we need to get the Frog of Thunder. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Lockjaw showed up in that Inhumans TV show that everyone forgot about. <laughs> I think Marvel has forgotten about it, too. They want to so very, very badly. Is, uh, it, is it considered in canon? I don't. I honestly or? don't believe that any of the Marvel television programs are considered canon. I don't know. The Defenders like to talk a lot about the incident. Yeah. Yeah. And now there are more incidents. Yeah. Well, like, I don't think it's I don't think it's a two way street. <laughs> so like the TV shows really want to be canon, but the movies are just like no, we we don't pay attention to them. You're I, I don't think they're ever going to reference Iron Fist in any of the uh, in any of the large scale uh, tent poles that Marvel I puts out. Agents of Shield was supposed to be canon though. I feel like it I should feel like be. That is. I feel like it should be, but they never reference. Any Agent Carter is canon. Yeah, yeah Agent Carter's canon. And as far as I know. Agent Coulson hasn't shown up since he died in the movies, and there was never any kind of... They just don't reference anything that happens on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Or... I think it's too hard to keep all the continuity together, so they just... they Well, the show is... They have their cake and they eat it, too, as far as gotcha. the continuity well, goes. Well, the show has done a very good job of tying into the things that happen in the MCU. I remember, like, the week after Winter Soldier came out, they had an episode that, boom, followed up on the events of Winter Soldier. They did a very... They've done a very good job of that. I'm certain that season was planned from the beginning to to yeah yeah incorporate winter soldier but I, I think we should talk about the movie that we're here for yeah let's talk about captain marvel because yeah, uh because people listening to this have probably seen captain marvel but uh based on uh anecdotal evidence i don't think many people are actually watching agents of shield uh so we'll uh we'll jump into captain marvel um so here's uh here's my here's my uh piping hot take i thought it was good um this is this is a film where it's it's the 21st film in a long running franchise if we look at the MCU as a whole um 21 films in um they've got their formula down uh Marvel and Disney know exactly what they need to do to create a crowd pleaser um and I feel like uh you know there's stuff in here that I think didn't 100% work and we'll get into that a little bit later on but at the same time I'd also like to say that um it's almost impossible for me to walk into a Marvel movie and not walk out entertained because they've got they've got it down. They know what works and they know what doesn't work and they know uh, who they're playing to and what their intended audience is and what their intended goals are. Um, there are some elements of this film that are a little clunky, um, but it obviously worked well enough to have what is now Marvel's second best uh, premiere outing behind Black Panther. So um, the people who were hoping for this to be a terrible flop, uh, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to hold out hopes for the next one. And I don't think the next one is going to be a terrible flop because Brie Larson's made it very, very, very clear, explicitly clear, that she wants Kamala Khan in, in part two. Well, there's so and much. There's so you, much. That... The minute you bring Kamala Khan into the MCU, you are going to rake in all of the money because she is one of the best characters that Marvel has ever created. She is. 
and the, the closest o- thing that Marvel has to a magical girl. I guess this is time for those Inhumans to actually be canon then. Yeah. yeah. And the and the only reason that I don't see Kamala Khan in Captain Marvel two is that uh, Kevin Feige came out and said that they do want to, uh, the next one to be just like Captain Marvel, where it fills in the gaps. Um, it's probably we're probably going to see the fallout of this first Captain Marvel movie. Kevin in- Feige also said that before it became the second highest grossing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I feel like it's a bad move to go and use it to fill in the gaps again. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like, yeah, this was the right time for it to fill in the gaps, especially since she was going to be uh, a character in the next Avengers movie. You kind of have to set her up first. Right. Um, but like, let's 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 give her her own narrative, because uh, I, I do feel as if um, too much of this movie was trying to fill in gaps and build lore and not focus on the character as as much as I would have liked. And I'll kind of, I'll kind of agree with you on that, but I feel like it would be a huge missed opportunity given the way that this film ends to not follow up on that thread. Um for uh cuz the film ends with basically a gigantic cliffhanger of uh you know Captain Marvel jetting off to space to uh, help the Skrulls find a new home and ultimately um, deal with like putting an end to the Kree Skrull War. And I feel in the very very beginning of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, where Peter and his uh, his one night stand are watching the news and they're talking about the riots on Hala Mm -hmm. because they had the uh, the peace treaty with the Skrulls. Right. And I'm like. I, I kind of had a feeling that it, the next few are going to be that that gap bridging. How did they get to a point where the Kree are signing a peace treaty with the Skrulls, but then the Kree start rioting? I guess we're going to have more Novacore at that point then, because I had always assumed that the Novacore were the ones who kind of forced that treaty right. to happen. And I'm, I, I which get is why feeling... Ronan is so angry at the the Novacore. Right. Yeah, I feel like because I mean we need to, there needs to be a bridge between the 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 Ronan that we see here in Captain Marvel and the Ronan that we got in Guardians of the Galaxy. There's so much of a there's so much of a story there that I feel like it would be a misstep on the part of Marvel not to. I mean, if if you ignore that, then it kind of leaves a bitter taste in my mouth the way that they position well, Captain Marvel. It's kind of interesting because they make it extremely clear that Kree warriors are not supposed to have any kind of emotional feeling whatsoever, which is what you see in him in this one is, you know, five lines. But then when you get to the Guardians of the Galaxy, he's a screaming, raging maniac. Well, he lost everything, so... Right. Yeah, so... Uh, and he, he seems very much... Uh, his role seems to have been a little different from the other Kree warriors. They seem very inquisition Well, I I would like to see a bit more fleshing out of... I, I didn't think that the film did a very good job of explaining to the audience beyond a basic sort of visual representation and asking you to kind of read between the lines of exactly what the accusers did or were. And so I would have liked to have seen that expanded upon a little bit more. And I think that it sounds like it's a little bit different from the comics too. Exactly. So I would like to see what those differences are and why we should be invested in him as a character and where his arc was. I wasn't sure if they were ranked above the star forces or below the star. Well, I feel like it was, I feel like it was kind of, uh, and this kind of goes along with captain Marvel's, uh, you know, sort of attachment to like, the military is I looked at it in terms of it being like the air force to the Navy kind of situation. Uh. Um, because, you know, it was like they were bombardiers. Um, and I think that that kind of makes sense. It's not necessarily a hierarchy as much as it is a different branch. See, I, 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 I saw it less of 
a specific military branch. And uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that it felt kind of like the Inquisition to me that they were they were kind of they're the ones that you bring when you want to cleanse the place yeah. of scrolls, and their answer to cleansing the place is setting the entire planet on fire. Yeah, well, that's yeah. kind of what they were in the comics. Like in the comics, the accusers are like the special forces, and Ronan is like the third in command. Uh, after the Supreme Intelligence, and then I think Yan Rong or someone is, is yeah. prior. But uh, they are basically, I think someone online referred to this basically the Judge Dreads. Yeah, that's a good like, way of putting it. If you're a criminal, they're going to send out maybe a bounty hunter first. If you, if you, uh, like, if you best the bounty hunter, then they'll send out like a second person. And then if you get really under their collars, then you send out the accusers because they're allowed to be basically. The judges and the judges. Well, they don't care about collateral damage. Right. And so they basically have no uh, checks and balances. Like, they just go out and they're just like, well, I judge you to be guilty. You're dead. Uh, They're basically, like, super OP. Yeah, and I figure that I figure that would make that makes sense, and I that that's one of the things that, uh, you know, I I have some gripes about the movie and. I feel like this is one of the this is one of those films where I and and I get it like if you're going to go see Captain Marvel chances are you've seen every other Marvel movie or at least a majority of them you've got to have some sort of interest in the world of Marvel at large in order to really want to appreciate this movie. Side point previously I made the comment about Guardians of the Galaxy I have a feeling that Carol is going to come for the supreme intelligence like she said she would because I feel like that would be the only way that there would be any kind of treaty with the scrolls right is that she goes in and she's like boop supreme intelligence you're dead sorry Annette Benning yeah so, great casting but yeah so we're going to ha- we're going to have to see how they how they play it with the sequel because I mean obviously like you said it would be the smart move would be to introduce Kamala and you know move forward and stay out of the past but at the same time they've set up so much that is I mean if if you did get invested in this film in any way shape or form you're going to want to see them follow up on that I mean it wouldn't be the first time that they haven't followed through on something they they set up like the leader yeah. yeah that's true that's um, um they went a completely different direction with the mandarin yeah. Yeah. It's there I mean there's there's plenty of there's plenty of uh examples of Marvel not really following up on things, but I feel like uh it would be a tremendous misstep not to do so here. Um but the film does have some there are some points where I was sit as a writer looking at it, there were certain things that didn't quite click with me, um, or that I felt weren't as effective as they should have been. Um in a movie like this, I feel like um on one hand, like I said, if you, you've got to be kind of invested in Marvel to sit down and watch this, but I feel like a lot of people got brought into the movie theater and into the Marvel Universe for the first time with this film. I feel like it had enough of an outreach and it had enough of that uh, that quest that uh, that that intrigue of being the first major uh, female-led Marvel film that probably got people who haven't been interested in Marvel at all into the film into a theater to watch a Marvel film for the first time and. As I was watching the film, I couldn't help but sit there and uh, wonder if perhaps the script didn't take its precious time a little bit too much in the first act. Um, there was a lot of world building that was done here that if you are, if this is your intro to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, it could 
possibly be a little bit much to bear. It might be a little bit trying on the patience. Um, as far as pacing was concerned, I felt like it took a little while to get going compared to some other uh, other origin story films. Um, but once uh, once Carol got to Earth, it kicked into high gear. So I don't think that I don't think it was a film breaking pacing problem, but there were some elements that I would thought, you know, as a film that is going to serve as an introduction to the Marvel universe for some people, it did feel a little clunky. And that's fair. Yeah, it's I I mean it, like I said, there are so many people out there who want to say that this is the worst of the Marvel films, or that, and they want to see this did, movie did films. Did they not see Age of Ultron? Yeah, did I mean, they not see Thor two. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the uh, Thor two, uh, the dark Thor: The Dark World is the very definition of forgettable mediocrity. Um, it's not a, and it's that's the thing about about Marvel movies is they don't make bad movies. Uh, the worst you can say, I mean, Age of Ultron in and of itself is not a bad film. I didn't film. like it. I really didn't like it. And it just does not hold up on repeat viewings. See, honestly, I rewatched it for the first time in a long time last year, and I ended up liking it a lot more than I remembered. Hmm. Um it's one of the it's one of those films where I understand it's there are some there are so many frustrating things about that movie. So, so many frustrating things about that movie. But ultimately, Marvel doesn't make bad films. They have yet to put out a Jupiter ascending. You know, <laughs> like when I when I say bad film, I mean something where you go. There is no way this should have been put into production. Somebody should have should have second guessed themselves somewhere along the line. Um, even at their even at their worst, they're just not quite there. Um, you've got your Iron Man twos, your Thor: The Dark World, things like that that are just they don't come together as well as they should. But there are individual elements in them that keep them from being terrible captain marvel i would put on par with captain america yeah in captain Mar captain marvel reminded me a lot of first avenger it yeah, really I mean, did. yes and i i think too like in my mind at least nothing yet has topped uh black panther and ragnarok yeah those are my top two those are my top two i, I still my my high like, water mark is still winter soldier that's my three <laughs> actually it's like Black Panther's one for me, and Ragnarok and, and Winter Soldier are like, they, they switch frequently. It's like, what's my mood right now? I think Black, really good. Black Panther Black is my Black Panther's my number two, and the only reason that it's not my number one is because I feel like the uh, the climax should have been as innovative as the rest of the movie. Uh, but that's that's just that's just a personal nitpick that doesn't. I love I love that movie to death, and every time I see it, I am in awe of how amazingly well it came together. And I feel like a lot of people uh, are judging Captain Marvel for not being as innovative as Black Panther was. Not every one of the films has to be that way. Exactly. That's, and that's, that's my argument, is that not everything needs to break new ground. And there's so much to like here. I... I love that we finally got some extended Nick Fury time. Okay, let's talk about that. Yes. Um, because what I really appreciated out of this film is that very rarely do we get to see Nick Cage, the character, or Samuel L. Jackson, the actor, be personable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just just feel human. You know, anytime you get uh, Samuel L. Jackson in a movie, he's got to be the guy. He ratchets with the, it up. 
you know, badass mother shut your mouth on his wallet. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's that's who you get him to play, mm-hmm. and that's who his Nick Fury is. But this time we got to see him sing a little bit. We got to see him smile and just be a person. We got to see him lie about how he got his scar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah his I'm... interactions with the cat were so like I know that we and keep making goose the cat jokes, and it's but so it's funny. So charming yeah it's so funny because because samuel jackson has come out and said i'm not a cat person (laughs) which makes that performance all the more like amazing and apparently brie larson is like deathly allergic to cats oh my so i imagine that this film was an ordeal for her at some point lots of vanity histamine yeah exactly but but samuel jackson was so good in this it reminded me of like back in the early 90s whenever you would see him still like you know, breaking out of the box and showing that charm that made him such a such a movie star it reminded me, especially of something like a Long Kiss Goodnight, or uh, like just he was just so I I I believed everything he was putting out there on screen and the de aging technology. Oh my God, uh, Marvel has gotten to a point where they are going to be able to weave seamlessly throughout the eras because their technology has gotten so good. Uh, the only the only downside, of course, was that I, it doesn't matter how many supercomputers and rendering farms you have, you cannot make Samuel L. Jackson run convincingly like a 25-year-old. <laughs> uh, like, that was, that was it. That was the only... Th- I'm like, can we... Could we have gotten maybe a, a, stunt, a stunt person that, that we could have yeah. pasted his face over? Because that was the only thing that didn't seem seamless. But Samuel L. Jackson and I mean the the whole cast in general in this was just as in all Marvel films great. Marvel has gotten this the idea of casting in Marvel films is down to some sort of either black magic or science because everybody is so good at what they do. Ben Mendelsohn is Oh jeez. I love Ben Mendelsohn, and whenever they announced the casting, it I, I so assumed that it was going to be, because uh, he plays a heavy so very, very well, as evidenced by things like Rogue One. Um, right. I was expecting it to go in that direction, and the fact that he completely flipped it on its ear and gave us something that is going to be ultimately one of the more memorable characters, one of the more memorable antagonists, because, he I mean, for the majority of the film, he was the antagonist. Um, I feel like Marvel is really finally getting their their villain problem behind them. I am, mm-hmm. I'm going to go on record saying that when I found out that Captain Marvel was going to be basically the be- you know part of the Kree-Skrull war, I, my brain just kind of, like went into flatline mode because the Kree and the scrolls in the comics are so boring. It's just imperialists versus imperialists. And like we had talked about prior to the show airing, we did love Annihilation because that was a storyline where the Kree and the scrolls were supposed to be like, you know what? We're actually facing something bigger than ourselves and we have to find a way to work together. And it's funny because they were able to find ways to like break out different characters and make them interesting. And it's funny because Marvel seems to have this issue where all of their alien races are kind of the same. They're kind of standard because whether you're talking about the Kree or the Skrulls or the Shi'ar or what have you, most all of them follow this same pattern of grr, imperialistic rage. Like that's. And one race. Yeah, it's (laughs) like. 
and it gets it gets really boring really really fast. So I like the fact that in Captain Marvel they decided to do something different with the scrolls. And and now I love the scrolls and I'm excited to see them again. I and, know. I yeah. I really cannot wait to see how they deal with the scrolls going forward. Um and I feel like whenever we get to a point where uh we get more cosmic Marvel, it's it's going to make for a richer tapestry. Right. Um, because I love, I mean, I loved everything that they did with uh, the world building in Thor Ragnarok, um, where you, you know, we saw everything that was going on uh, with, with, I love the Grandmaster. <laughs> I, can't, I can't talk about Thor Ragnarok with that. But like everything that went everything that went down on Sakaar and this sort of like melting pot of like the 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 cosmic reality that we that we deal with out there and apparently Eternals is going to be uh, on the slate coming up so we're oh. going to be seeing a lot of uh, a lot of really interesting stuff there um, so Captain Marvel really did basically they threw the cards down on the table and said okay now it, we we can do what we want we can do we can we we are not beholden to the expectations of the comics which is that you know every race has basically the same form and function mm-hmm. and i think that that's i think that's going to set up some interesting things later on captain marvel does a very very good job of basically setting things up for the next few Marvel films and almost, and it doesn't feel deliberate. It doesn't feel like, like they're tipping their hand. It's just something where if you think back about it, you're going, wow, there's so much opportunity that is created by this one film. Well, and then in making the scrolls, the good guys and sympathetic, um, Ryan had pointed out to me, our, Resident Reference science expert our, Ryan Terry. Resident science expert Ryan Terry had pointed out to me that uh, this probably means that if they ever use Super Scroll, he might actually be a hero this time instead of a. Because you can't really make a. Scroll well, villain. there's there's still room for when you have refugees for some of them to be um, angry terrorist type characters. But they've already done that with Ronan, though. And that would be kind of I, I don't know. I think Ronan is of, less of a refugee kind of. Um, I like I can see the scrolls some scrolls having a lot of anger and animosity from the victimhood they've gotten at the Kree at the hands of the Kree and then becoming bad guys in the same way that we have the ones that just want to find a home. Ronan is a little different. He was someone who was at the top of an imperialist no, society true. that that's fell true. and wants yeah. to maintain his status essentially. He's basically a redditor. Yeah. <laughs> the redditor with the warhammer. Um, that's a, that's a good point, Isaiah. Yeah, so I mean, this this film does a really good job of setting up Marvel slate going forward. It also does of it. I feel like it does a good job of introducing a character who, for the most part, many people outside of comic reading circles have no familiarity with. Um, Captain Marvel is a character that, within the Marvel universe of comics, carries a lot of heavy baggage. Um, There are, I mean, if we're going back to you know the original stories of Marvel and uh, whenever he, uh, you know, the death of Marvel is one of those seminal comic book storylines that um, everybody considers to be almost one of those sacred cows. Um, And then I don't believe so. Outside of like a few like. Uh, appearances. I don't think he ever was fully resurrected, which is a absolute 
uh, rarity in comics. And then you have Carol Danvers as a character who was introduced as a feminist icon, you know, way back in the 70s and who has had this tumultuous <laughs> history yeah. of... Her because she started out as Ms. Marvel, um, and then she went through that whole phase of being... She, she went into being binary, and she mm -hmm. uh, I think she had the photon mantle for, like, a no, little bit. No, no, no that, that was... It was reversed. I, Monica was the original Captain Marvel. Yeah. And Carol stole the name from her. Who? Monica had to be photon because Carol was like, "Your name that, and is that was, mine there's, now." There's there's a lot of holding on to trademarks behind this story. Yeah, because uh, what I actually find super interesting about Carol Danvers' uh, history is that it wasn't until very recent history that she was an A-lister in in Marvel for for most most of the time. Uh, she was the kind name, of a joke. Yeah. She Honestly. was she was mostly known as that person that Rogue got her powers from. Yeah, uh, yeah, and the whole history of of the Captain Marvel name at Marvel is is weird. And I mean, like Marvel, I don't think he's any kind of sacred cow as a character. I think they don't write him anymore, and they leave him dead because he wasn't interesting. Right. And the best thing they got out of it was him dying. Yeah. And, well, and then space and then there was uh, there was the Captain Marvel series around the around the early 2000s the one that peter david wrote and it was a di it was a different marvel but it was still a captain marvel series that it's really really good and then but rick jones had the name for a moment yeah uh, before and that was after monica rambeau had the title yeah uh and it was really marvel didn't want to lose they 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 they, they, they don't picked up that name yeah. from fawcett comics who who lost it when they went under because it used to be shazam shazam was captain marvel yeah. um and they went under because they got sued by dc uh, and then DC bought the rights to Shazam, but Marvel picked up the name of the book before them because it's like it's got Marvel in which, it. Which, which I thought it was really ironic that uh, they showed the trailer for Shazam in front of yeah. Captain yeah, Marvel. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I, I was just like, this is this is funny. It's gonna confuse uh, more people here. Carol, Carol was also the subject of a really awful storyline. Um, oh yes. Okay, she got raped by the son of Kang the Conqueror. Oh, I remember that. Uh, while under mind control, and then he was trying to cross between dimensions, so he impregnated her with himself and forced her to give birth to him in this dimension. And when she crossed over, the Avengers were like, oh, man, she's having a baby. That's so wonderful. Like, they all kind of were like, yeah, because this was the 70s and... Mm -hmm. No. And, uh, yeah, and I after that point, like she, oh, and then she gave birth to him, and like within two days, he was fully grown. And he's like, "You should come back to my home dimension with me, mommy." And she did. Comics, everybody. Well, and like, I that became kind of like a point where people didn't want to write her for a little bit because they're like, "Well, this is some weird." Well, yeah. Well, I think I mean, it's also uh, Chris Claremont got super protective of her after that. Yeah. Because he was like, "You guys did her wrong, and I'm gonna take my character back and yeah. put her in X Men books." Right. Yeah. And, and then, then she was binary, so which I mean, which was. Which was fine, but like she just wasn't, you know, Miss yeah. Marvel for a while. And then it it wasn't until around again the early part of the two thousands, I guess two thousand five, two thousand six, when uh, Brian Michael Bendis and uh, who 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 else Brian was it? Uh, Reed also and uh, Bri uh, Brian Reed and Dan Slott basically reintegrated her into the Marvel universe as a very 
essential character. It was right around the time of House of M. Mm-hmm. She was also really gone by a Warbird for a while. Yeah, she was Warbird had, for a while. Uh, she had a lot of struggles with alcohol, and Iron Which Man is, was her sponsor for AA. And I feel like that's really where they built her as a character, was coming off of those years and years of terrible stories. You had Bendis and uh, Brian Reed and Dan Slott in Mighty Avengers and in Ms. Marvel and in New Avengers, really trying to rebuild that character. Well, they, but I think, though, the, the best rebuilding that was, was Kelly Sue DeCon. After oh, they had mm-hmm. the, oh yeah. And we, we want to get into the, the Jamie McKelvey redesign of her costume to make it look right. Too. So here's the thing, like, all right, I don't hate the Miss Marvel swimsuit costume. I just don't think it works for Carol, as her given her personality type and given her military background. The flight suit makes so much more sense. The, right. The Miss Marvel swimsuit with the opera gloves and the high boots and the mask. I mean, the, the fetish wear looking outfit. Just didn't work for her. It's also That's, a relic of the seventies. It's yeah, such it's, a dated it's costume. It's very much it's very much a relic of the seventies. It, it looks like something that would look good on someone like a She Hulk because that fits her character. She Hulk likes wearing the swimsuits. She likes yeah. showing off her body. She mm. has a, a kind of a, a retro sense of style. That's a that's a She Hulk costume on Carol Danvers, which doesn't is, work. But when when Jamie McKelvey and Kelly Sue DeConnick did the revamp, I think that's when she kind of really became. Well, it's also the, and then they, but then they kind well, of it's not just it's not bit. just the it's not just the aesthetic redesign that they did. They completely overhauled her as a character yeah. and really leaned into her military background, her right. flight background, everything that really made her, um, her made her her. And it she fits in so well into her corner of the Marvel Universe because the way that they the way that they positioned her as sort of like this. I mean, it's not that every, it's not that since that uh, that redesign or that revamp that uh, Carol has been 100% perfect. Because well, I mean, War Civil II. War Two nearly nearly killed all momentum that the character had. Yeah. But at the same time, you can also look at what they did with her, what they did with her character, what they turned her into. She is an she's an ideological uh, she's an ideological standpoint that somehow, I mean, she's very she's militaristic. In a way, because, I mean, you look at uh, her associations with like Alpha Flight and things like that, and it works for that character, but not in the same way that like Rhodey has with uh, the Air Force or with the Captain America has with the military. You know, it's, it's something that's it's different and it makes her very, very unique. Um, and I feel like if there is one thing that I will say about the film version of Captain Marvel is that because she spends so much of the film trying to reconnect with her roots, she still feels at the end of the film very much like a blank slate. Um, she does not feel as cle- as clearly defined as I would have liked to have seen at the end of this movie. Because now I get the feeling that she's going to be very much fleshed out during Endgame. I feel like yeah. uh, she's going to have she's got a whole twenty years of yeah. She's going to have. She'll probably come in fully formed with a personality that makes sense. Well, and I will say this: given the fact that she was struggling with amnesia, <laughs> I am so relieved that she didn't get a love interest yeah i was when they made marvell her lady mentor instead of her male lover which he was in the comics i was so relieved i was relieved that the what her the human connection back to earth and her link was not an old flame it was her her best friend and her surrogate family Mm -hmm. that that the tether back to this to this world were the Rambo women. Yeah, I uh, I greatly appreciate that. Especially because 
Marvel does just a terrible job running romantic stories. Yeah. Like, they have a, I mean, you say they have a villain problem. At least that they course correct. The yeah. romance problem, like, I, there's... I, I feel like I feel like Marvel really needs I feel like Marvel I feel like Marvel needs to give up on all attempts to have romantic relationships in their film in general. The only one that works is uh between um T'Challa and Okoye. Yes. That's Wait, it. Okoye? Oh no, uh Nakia? Yeah, Nakia, Nakia, sorry. And it's because they work at it. I, I think because, I made that yeah. point. Well, it was also um, because it was also because in that film they did a very, very good job of of not leaning into the schmaltiness of it, but into the awkwardness of it, which I think yeah, makes that's... for the which makes for the most interesting romantic developments. Because at the end, they're still kind of a little bit like, "Oh, this is weird," um, and I like that. That it was the, it was the only one that felt authentic, yeah. as opposed to like, I really am a little saddened by how flat the thor jane foster relationship i mean that's fell. why that's why it's out of the movies yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so bad and i mean it's now, it's, it's probably worse than gomorrah and star lord now or, i will i will Black say i will uh, say uh, yeah. vision that, and scarlet witch that like, no, Steven, I, I like Steven, vision and scarlet witch i like Stephen peggy but that was that was something that got i mean it's it's yeah, but by it, design in the story, it had to be jettisoned. Yeah, yeah, it had to be. So, like, everything after that, the whole thing with Sharon, cringe. Oh, like, that was... no. Yeah. Um, I mean, it... That was literally thrown in, I think, to just be like, hey, shippers, stop putting him with Bucky. Yeah. I mean... <sighs> you you put him with Bucky and Sam. Yeah. Yeah, you just make them a really adorable triad. They're just They're just going to start a commune... And grow vegetables and sell it at the farmer's market. I um, think that's wonderful. Yeah, but C Captain Marvel doesn't need a love interest. Um, and I feel like it would have been regressive to give her a love interest. Unless, unless it was Maria. If it was Maria, then I would have been okay with it. But uh, past that, no. Yeah, and... Because... Captain Marvel's relationships in the comics are always... Have not been great either so wonder man hey don't 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 hate on wonder man, man is awful. <laughs> marvel has I mean, Rody, her and roadie worked was, that was the only one i think that really worked yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to was there? it was just wonder man right and who else roadie's roadie was great though and they, well, they bonded a lot over their shared military well war, Ma war machine is one of those characters who uh pops up every once in a while to be awesome and then <laughs> and then disappears yeah. and then disappears <laughs> um and then oh yeah the, but i think that's mostly it yeah i Carol is one of the Carol is one of those people who's defined not necessarily by her romantic relationships, but by her platonic friendships. Um, her, Especially with her and Jessica Drew. Yeah, and it's and her and Spider Man. Yeah, and Spider Man oh, yeah, and fun. and Steve and Tony, all of them. Like, it, there's the interplay is what makes that character right. so interesting. Well, you see that obviously in her relationship with Nick Fury in this, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. Oh, I love yeah. I love the buddy cop element of this movie. Um, I, I like that, like I, I said earlier, I like that we got so much Nick Fury but, and that we got to see him be a character. I mean, I like, you've already mentioned Maria, but let's also talk about how amazing Lashana Lynch was in this. Uh, I I loved her reaction when Carol comes by, where she is 
she you know she wants to believe what's going on and she does like she really sells it as someone who is like so confused but still wants to be supportive right uh she she sold like there was there was some great physical comedy in the scene where the neighbor shows up wanting to look at the yeah yeah and, and yeah and and the two worked well i love that she was able to have her big damn hero moment mm -hmm. uh i loved i loved her with monica do you really think you're setting that great of an example for me, Mom? Like this, this is the was, best. Okay, you're gonna give up going into outer space, space to watch Fresh Prince with me? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I will say that this film does the best uh, precocious child trope that Marvel has oh. ever ever managed. But like, I will... the, like Iron Man three was like, I know that it's a point of contention. I like Iron Man 3. I think it's a great film, but the interplay between uh, Tony Stark and his young ward, uh, I, it didn't 100% land for me. Here, everything, everything with the Rambos and with uh, with Carol Danvers landed. But if we don't get Monica as, as an actual superhero, I'm going to overturn a table. Well, I feel like we, Monica I feel like we will. Actually, Monica is actually my favorite Captain Marvel. I feel like it's not going to happen and it breaks my heart um but i think that if they're going to jump to anything it's going to be kamala um, well i feel well i feel like i, I feel would like, love that i feel well, like i would love that i feel like if that was the i feel like if that was the case they wouldn't have had monica at all that's no no these movies like to make little references to yeah. to, to 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 uh make fans of the comic books go like i knew that imagine the next generation of avengers where it's it's kamala and monica and and a, a slightly older Peter Parker and Shuri. Like, look, that's just like amazing, enthusiastic, happy science pals. I mean, and that just makes me so happy. There's going to come a day where they're going to make they're they're going to have to make the decision to have a new generation of heroes. Because, yeah. um, you know, one day a lot of these older actors are going to want to go. Mm -hmm. um, I doubt Robert Downey Jr. is going to want to stay playing Iron Man forever, or I feel is like, going to be capable of playing. Iron I feel Man like forever. he said he's walking after Endgame. I feel like he said that's the best place for him to go out, just like thematically. Um, and he has other projects that he wants to do. And Marvel takes up a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Chris Evans is the same way. Yeah. And I like Chris Evans, but I also like seeing Chris Evans in other things. And I also want to see more people taking up mantles in the, in the next generation of Avengers that are, like I said, man, geez, if you have, even if you just have Captain Marvel leading like a slightly older Spider-Man, Shuri, Monica and Kamala. That's all you need right there. Like, yeah, I, those I, are... I feel like, I, I feel like that's going to have to be their answer. Either that, or they're going to have to cast somebody else to play, you know, these characters again. Right. But I feel with the world that they've created, it feels a whole lot better to pass the torch. Yeah. And organically, it works a lot better that way. Yeah. yeah uh, but also, um, for branding. Right, they get to in the comics bring a whole new mm -hmm. line of characters into into the forefront because a lot of times, you know, Iron Man and Captain America, they were names that people recognized. You know, but before the movies, when you talked about Marvel comic books, you were mostly talking about the X Men. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I honestly, you know, that it's got to be in the back of their minds with this Fox merger becoming a reality that they know that they have X-Men characters to fall back on. They have that in the back of their mind. They know that they are going to getting they're going to be getting access to things like Fantastic 4. They're going to be getting access to all of these different characters. So 
Marvel is not sweating it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if we want to talk about organically replacing the heroes that we have, we do have Kamala. We do have the idea of bring in, uh, bring in Ironheart. We also mm-hmm. have uh, um, America Chavez. Yeah, bring mm-hmm. in, uh, bring in America. Bring in. There are so they could do so much with the properties that they have, and well, they not have even that, break a sweat. They do have that cartoon Marvel Rising, where mm-hmm. Carol yeah. is the the mentor to I think Quake, Squirrel Girl, Squirrel Girl, um, Kamala, and um, Ironheart. I, yeah, yeah, she's in there, right? Ironheart, America Chavez, um, Spider Gwen. Yeah, there, I mean, there's so. there's tons of stuff that they can do. Yeah. Um, I don't think that I don't think we're going to be seeing Marvel have an attachment to Spider-Man beyond uh, maybe one or two more movies, um, because they've seen that they can make money with Spider-Man properties again over on their end at Sony. So they're probably going to try to take that back. Um, I doubt that. I think I I think that they're going to continue with the animated series. Well, uh, well, if you don't think we're going to get a proper Spider-Man versus Venom film, you're kidding yourself. They know that they, that even if it's terrible, it's a license to print money. You guys on the radio can't see my face right now. Yeah, but the live stream can. The live stream can. can, can, live stream can. Right I think I think I just broke him. It's. It, I don't want to see it, but I see it happening. I don't want to see anything with Venom ever again. He can just disappear. Him, Carnage, and the whole symbiote. I okay. Okay. Here's the thing. I will be in the theater for Venom 2 with bells on because I need to see more of Woody Harrelson's Ronald McDonald wig. (laughs) Did I say his face? That... I don't know where the budget for that film went, but none of it went into either the CGI or Woody Harrelson's wig. I want the money to go into building a statue of Isaiah's face right now. Listen, Sony. (laughs) All right. You've Craven the Hunter. Craven the Hunter. Go with that, Sony. I yeah. see. Here's the thing. I love Spider-Man villains. Like all of his villains, I love. I'd love to see a proper Scorpion. I'd love to see a proper Rhino. I'd love to see any number of characters brought Are you to life. Forward to Mysterio. Yes, I'm very much yeah, looking that, forward that to that. That looks fun. Yeah, but it's just I know that Venom tests well with tryhards and edgy. <laughs> <laughs> And, and people who 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 still have the sensibilities of when they were fourteen years old. There are so many better villains, so many more, conv- so much more compelling villains, and the symbiotes are just '90s trash. Yeah, I mean it's it's very it's very '90s, and but but they made Venom made money, so we're not going to be able to escape it. Um, with I mean looking at the MCU. Um, Isaiah can escape it. I'm probably going to have to watch it for this show. I know. What, what happened to Sinister, Sinister Six? That's that'd be such a fun idea. Let's do let's do a villain crossover where they go on some fantastic heist and Spider-Man there is there to stop them, but we want to root for them. Like, like you, you could do so much, Sony. Just let Venom go. Let it go. No, they they won't. They won't. Whenever something makes money, it doesn't go away. Um, and that's one of the things that looking at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, even their lesser entries now, um, make so much bank that we are going, we're, we're going to get, we're going to get sequels and we're going to get spinoffs and what have you. Um, and I feel like there is so much, so much room for improvement with Captain Marvel because 
while I think it was a good film and while I enjoyed it greatly, um, like I said, it feels so much like a setup film. Can I also, I would like to also, before we leave, because we do have time and I have not brought this up, uh, in case no one could tell, I'm a lady. <laughs> since uh, when? Since always. Uh, but I also kind of want to talk about what this movie means to me as a lady type. Um, listening to the way that Jan Rog talked to her. Um, always chastising her for being too emotional. Always trying to make her doubt herself by even saying things like the, the enemy could even be you. The, the condescension. The fact that they dampen her powers to make her less than because and I think that the implication there was that Jan Rog was scared of her, scared of her that's, being more powerful. That's and tell her that they gave her those powers. And yeah, right. exactly. And that we can take this away. And that's why I love and, the ending so, so very I, much. No, I want to say that that is my experience as a woman. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a white lady, which means that women of color, disabled women, like, they have it even worse than I do. And this felt like the most authentic like representation of my experiences being talked down to by people who who see me as less than or that my my education my experiences are not up to theirs at all because I'm a lady that the, I love that when she that she was shown falling down because I think sometimes these quote-unquote strong female characters aren't allowed to ever show weakness yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't like Black Widow. I don't think that she's a, aside from the really, really, really strange. I'm sterile. You know, it was. Ugh. You weren't able Let's... to really see. You're never. You don't see Black Widow get knocked down the way that Carol's been knocked down. Black Widow's just automatically taken seriously, and that to me doesn't ever ring, ring at all true. It when when she stands up, she looks the the Kree supreme intelligence right in the eye and said, I have been fighting with one hand tied behind me this whole time. That's what life feels like for me. And this felt so validating watching her when she, when she had a smile on her face and she flew through the accuser ship and blew it up and then went over to Ronin's ship and just stared at him in the face and started lighting up. Not because she was going to attack him, but because she wanted to intimidate them. Even the, even the the scene in the scroll ship where one of the scrolls jumps in front of her and she goes ah and headbutts him it feels like that like that's i sometimes feel ah and i go want to headbutt someone because i have been very lucky that i have men in my life like you two and like many of the men that have been on this show many of the men that i do comedy with but it's very hard to sometimes explain to people that as fortunate as i am to have peers like you a lot of you are the exceptions not the rule I deliberately seek out men like you to be my friends and to be my supporters and to be my collaborators. But you are a lot more rare than you realize. More men sometimes treat me the way young Rog treated her. And that's why I loved the climax of the film so much. Whenever, uh, whenever Jan Rog is facing down Captain Marvel and he's still like trying to, like trying to impose his will on her, and he just and she just 
cuts him off mid-speech with a photon blast and says, I don't have to prove anything to well, you. And he tells I, I loved it so much because that, that moment serves as just almost as a rebuttal to all of the mudslinging garbage that you see of, like... It's it's like you know we the the freaking incel redditors who are like and debate me. <laughs> no, I don't have to. Mm -hmm. I don't owe you anything. We've already considered your point of view, and we realize that it's terrible. There's it's because none of it is done in good faith. That's the good thing. That's well, that's I, the that's the point. That's what makes these people like Jan Rog such interesting villains John is because Rock is a textbook emotional abuser right i mean he, he spends a majority of the film's runtime gaslighting carol yes. danvers and he, he says, to the point that he strips her identity and yeah. everything away from her and whenever she reclaims that and has that that cathartic moment of i don't have to prove anything to you it just works on so many thematic levels people people focus on the i don't have to prove anything to you but they they forget the line before that where mm -hmm. he says I want you to defeat me as yourself. Not realizing Not, that... The powers are hers. Yes. That the power is yeah. from herself. That the power is a part of her. Now he wants to take that part of her away. Way. Yeah, that's why he put in the dampeners. That's why mm -hmm. he made mm -hmm. her think mm -hmm. that he was the reason why she had them in the first place. <laughs> or that the emotions that she has makes her weaker. Yeah. yeah. When uh, we've seen time and time again that her emotions are what makes her great. It's what made her empathize with the scrolls. Mm -hmm. It's what made her take responsibility for the fact that she had killed so many of them and then apologize yeah. mm -hmm. to Talos and his family and say, I'm so sorry that I have killed your people. And that's, that I have hurt your people. I want to I, I wanna say that, uh, Meredith, I, I really appreciate hearing your perspective because one of the things that I felt after watching the movie was like, I, I was like, I really wish it was more in my face about its themes. And, and when I caught myself thinking that, I thought back to Black Panther and 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 how powerful it was to me right. as a black person. And the things that I resonated with in that movie weren't the big things. It was a lot of the, 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 the little pieces of symbolism in that right. movie were the things that, that really resonated with me the most. Not things like Killmonger, like, kill me and bury me out at sea so that I'll be with my ancestors who knew it was better to be free than with chains. Shut up, kill that guy. Uh, <laughs> Um, but it was it was all the tiny things in the movie that 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 showed me it's just raw, unapologetic, unapologetic joy in blackness. And I was like, were there things like that in this film that I could only perceive if I was a woman that I would feel that same resonance that I felt in Black Panther? Yeah. And I mean, Jake and I couldn't feel those resonance in Black Panther. We're, you know, we're white. We have white privilege. So, I mean, I can't necessarily tell you what your experiences were. But for me, yeah, there were a lot of things that I have had discussions with men about where I was like, just the way he talked to her, that's our daily reality. Mm -hmm. And like I've said, it's even worse for disabled women, women of color, trans women. Like, I have it lucky. And I still get treated like that. And I feel like that's ultimately what... I would like uh, listeners of this show to take away is that as much as I may have criticisms about the film or anybody may have criticism about the film, um, ultimately it does put out a thematic message that carries a lot of weight to a lot of people. And I feel like that overshadows a lot of the creative and critical gripes that I might have had with it because 
in a lot of ways, the film ultimately was not for me. Um, I, it was obviously marketed to me as a fan of Marvel, but I am not the primary intended audience for this. Well, and I'm going to also mention that there was a showing that I had gone to where uh, the woman sitting in front of me was an older woman with gray hair who was just so tickled every time she saw Annette Bening. Mm-hmm. Just so happy Thank to see... You. A, a big and, shout out to Marvel between this and Ant-Man and the Wasp to uh, giving uh, major roles, major roles of importance to uh, women over a certain age. But Annette Bidding was incredible in this. She did such a good uh, job. Her, her, Amazing her screen presence. Her role as someone who is... She, she played both a very warm, wonderful mentor presence as well as the steely scale like what a what a great dual role to show off her range right what a great way to do the supreme intelligence as the person most important to you instead of just a giant creepy floating head in a jar yeah i'm really glad that that's I'm not the way i'm so they went. glad that that was what they went with the um someone on twitter and I, I apologize for not knowing your name um but they were talking about how one of their favorite moments um again was annette binning when she was wearing lawson's jacket as the uh, supreme intelligence, so she's just like, she's like, I just really like this jacket, and how how wonderful a little moment that was that an older woman was allowed to feel attractive and celebrate feeling attractive, right? And how rare that is, and how, and again, that's that's something that I wouldn't have picked up on. I'm I'm below a certain age, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't have felt like. I mean, I wouldn't have looked at that and been like, this is so validating to me. But I celebrate and I love that that was something that someone felt validated by. Right. Uh, Annette Binning is a treasure. And she obviously looked like she was having so much fun with this. Too. I feel like everybody was having a lot of fun with this film and ultimately yes. it's a very fun film. It's yeah. one that I'm if if you're if you're looking for things to dislike, yeah, you're going to find it. Well, but I, but but ultimately I feel like this is a very worthwhile film that does exactly what it sets out to do and it's and again, it creates so many opportunities that I can't help but feel jazzed about what's to come for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's, uh, you know, that's that's a good place to kind of leave yeah. um, whenever you've got a film that uh, is going to be leading into uh, Avengers Endgame here in basically a month. I mean, I'm actually really more excited about this than I was for in game TV really I'm well the thing is like I was excited for Endgame but now I'm a lot more excited having seen yeah, Captain was, Marvel like, which ultimately is I what I believe Marvel really wanted to do I kind of want to just scoot Endgame out of the way and just be like alright get it done get it done get it done I want to be seeing like show me show me Monica show me Kamala show me America show me you yeah know, sh show me more Shuri like I want to be watching more Black Panther I want to be watching more Captain Marvel I want to be watching more of Valkyrie and mm -hmm. Korg and Meek. Like, yeah. show me those guys. Show me these weird, wacky characters that are that probably would have been risky ten years ago. Like the the drunk bisexual lady. Like, <laughs> let's make her can. Like they they shot the scenes. They yep. shot the scenes for Valkyrie. Put they, them in there. Throw right. them in there. Make her this big, boisterous, wonderfully drunk bisexual woman. Give me give me Kamala Khan being this the squeeing cutesy fangirl. I need sparkles. to see her on screen with Peter. Yeah. Oh, I have to see that. Yeah. I have to see these two just dumb teenagers being you hear dumb that kids. You hear that, Marvel? Put on your big kids' pants and do what's right. 
All right, well, we are out of time. Before we get out of here, I do want to plug KPFD has their birthday party celebration coming up. It's Sunday, March 24th at the Heights Theater. The doors open at 3. The show is from 4 to 9 p.m., um, featuring just a host of performers. Please, if you can, come down. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, before we get out of here, Isaiah, I want to give you a chance to plug where people can find you. All right, you can find me at brasscomics.com slash Transletown, where you can check out my webcomic, Transletown. And uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at iBruceArtArt to keep up to date with what I'm working on. All right, you thank you so much. You are working on some very cool stuff. <laughs> I'm not gonna... He is. We're not going to spoil it. Follow him online.